0: Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast, presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless.
1: There is some confusion over the exact number of bodies that have been found in a common grave in the basement of this barn along Route 6. Police, firemen, and federal alcohol, tobacco, and firearms agents spent the entire day sifting through the grave. The body of a man was found last night, two or three others this afternoon. And the search goes on at this hour. Now here's what we know. Seventeen members of a religious cult headed by Jeff Lundgren left the church about two years ago. Lundgren was a lay minister and volunteer tour guide at the Kirtland Temple. Dale Luffman is president of the local church. He saw himself as the spiritual leader and from the reports we've received from persons who kind of picked up from things that members of that community um, uh, referred to him. They referred to him as their prophet. Lundgren left the church with his followers after he was threatened with excommunication because of his teachings. Police sources tell me Lundgren and his cult then planned to take over the temple using automatic weapons and taking hostages if they had to. Lundgren reportedly wanted to hold onto the temple until the second coming of Christ. We're in very close discussion with the uh, law authorities and uh, um, they helped us to understand that we needed to be careful about our own personal activities. Then back last April, FBI agents and police surrounded the farmhouse and questioned the group. That's when the plot fell apart. Dennis and Cheryl Avery wanted out. I'm told that's when the Averies and their three little girls were executed, their bodies buried in the barn. The cold left Kirtland and I'm told it broke up just last month. An informant told federal authorities in Kansas City last week exactly where the bodies were buried.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 140 of Who Killed? I am your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcasts production. On today's episode, we are going to start looking into the Kirtland cult killings from 1989 in Kirtland, Ohio. Located in Lake County and only a 25-minute drive east of Cleveland, the small town became a national story in January 1990. Just one month before the body of Amy Maholovic would be found in rural Ashland County, there was another case that was leading the news. And like a lot of families in the late 80s, we would watch the local news as we ate dinner. And the Kirtland cult killings led every newscast. While I could relate to Amy's case as a 10-year-old, this case was something I couldn't wrap my head around. Clearly, I wasn't the only one, since every national news outlet had set up shop in the rural town and would broadcast nightly from the scene. With my decades of therapy, I believe those early impressions of death, even just by watching the news, likely left a mark. Let's just look at the profession I am currently working in. Anyhow, I just couldn't grasp how a seemingly normal family could leave the comforts of their life to move into a commune with a man claiming to be a prophet. Why would people believe someone who made such claims? Why would they follow him into depravity? I couldn't find any answers to these questions as a kid, And I still have some trouble seeing exactly what leads to these decisions. Again, the only people that really know the answers to these questions are those who were involved or have been involved with a cult, along with people who have made their profession out of studying cult-like behaviors. But there is a reason why people like David Koresh can build a compound in Waco with the help of hundreds, or say the 900 people who followed Jim Jones' into the jungle. Charisma is the first thing that I think of, but the answer is to why is really not easily found, and we will not be going down that avenue today. But it is clear that their devotion can become deadly, as we saw in Jonestown and Waco. And before David Koresh became the national cult boogeyman, you had one Jeffrey Lundgren, He moved to Kirtland in 1984 to become a volunteer guide at an RLDS temple, and when he left in 1989, he left a disaster in his wake and a community left with so many unanswered questions. According to the book, The Kirtland Massacre, Lundgren enrolled at Central Missouri State University, where he met Alice Keeler, a fellow member of the RLDS church. The two married in 1970, after which Lundgren enrolled in the U.S. Navy and serving during the Vietnam War. Now, Oxygen.com says Lundgren was honorably discharged in 1974, by which time he and Alice had two children. Court documents go on to state that Lundgren struggled to support his family and often stole from his employers. Lundgren and his New family eventually made home in San Diego after his discharge, but since Jeff was not good at managing funds or holding on to a job, they ended up back in Missouri. So in 1979, Lundgren's wife had their third child, a daughter. And people close to the couple claim that Lundgren seemed frustrated by the family's money problems and was generally tired of his wife and he allegedly became abusive after the birth of his daughter. The thing that divided the Averys and many others when the RLDS Church voted to ordain women in 1984 was the breaking point. To show their disapproval, they moved to another congregation, and this is where they would have the unlucky fate of meeting one Jeffrey Lundgren, who had grown up in Independence, Missouri. Now, after moving to town, Lundgren became a lay minister in Kirtland for the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, hence the RLDS. Now, Dale Luffman, that's with an L, president of the Northeast Ohio chapter of the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said that Lundgren worked from 1985 to 1987 at a church temple in Kirtland. Now, Lundgren had conducted tours for the public of the church's 153-year-old temple in Kirtland when he moved from Kansas City, Missouri. Now, again, for a while, things were going well, but it didn't take long for the wheels to fall off the bus. He lived on the church property until he began preaching radical doctrines during tours, according to Luffman. Apparently, Lundgren began seeing himself as a prophet, using his lay ministry and tour job as forums to recruit followers. When Lundgren lived in Independence, Missouri, he had a falling out with the local church, and that's what made the decision to move to Kirtland. He was charismatic enough because family members, neighbors, and friends told the Associated Press that his followers quit their jobs and sold their belongings and able to afford the move to Ohio. When Lundgren was defrocked from the church, he took his followers down what we would call today an extremist path. The Associated Press said despite warnings and pleadings, the followers moved in with Lundgren on the farm, living commune style, turning their paychecks from outside employment over to him and allowing him to read their mail, listen on their telephone calls, and otherwise monitor their lives, according to police. Luffman would say that the group became extremely isolated and would rarely be seen eating out with people that weren't part of the cult. Now, the Avery family, as I mentioned before, they left Independence, Missouri to join up with Lundgren and the RLDS in 1987. Marie Hayworth, a friend from Independence, said, I just don't think they know what they were getting into when they went to Kirtland. Avery and his wife both grew up on the West Coast as members of the RLDS Church, and again, that has roots with the Mormon Church, but it is not the same. It is separate. They were married in Independence, where the church is based, in 1970. Avery, who worked 17 years as a computer programmer for a Kansas City bank, was a deacon in one of the RLDS congregations that surrounded the Independence area. Cheryl Avery taught preschool and Sunday school, sewed her family's clothes, and took her quote-unquote bookworm daughters to summer reading programs at the public library. The family lived in one of the older parts of Independence in a small house. Their daughters went to public schools for a while, but... In 1986, they were homeschooled. So you may be wondering why did this Mormon offshoot settle in Kirtland? That's a good question. As it turns out, the founder of the Mormon Church once lived in the town in the 1830s. In fact, the very temple where Lundgren was giving tours and slowly indoctrinating people was built by Joseph Smith himself. There is a lot of information out there about Kirtland. And The Mormon Church, so I went straight to the source churchofjesuschrist.org. Again, this is according to the church. Kirtland from 1831 to 1832 and again from 1833 to 1838 was the headquarters for the Latter day Saint movement. Joseph Smith moved the church to Kirtland in 1831, shortly after its formal organization in April 1830 in Fayette, New York. Latter day Saints built their first temple there, a historic landmark owned and operated by Community of Christ, which was formerly RLDS, one of the main Latter-day Saint movement groups. And the temple was built, according to the church, with a degree of opulence, considering the underdeveloped nature of the area and the poverty of most early church members. The church goes on to say God commanded Joseph Smith in 1832 to build a temple in Kirtland, Ohio. The prophet and several others saw the Kirtland Temple in a vision which provided its design. Construction began in June 1833 at a time of poverty in the church. Work was hampered because many of the brethren were absent with Zion's camp. When they returned, Joseph Smith labored with others in the sandstone sandstone quarry, and vigorous efforts to build the temple resumed. Church members made enormous sacrifices to complete this house of the Lord. The prophet Joseph dedicated the Kirtland Temple on March 27, 1836. Again, this is from the church records, but they state that, quote, Many attending the Kirtland Temple dedication in 1836 claimed to see multiple heavenly visions and appearances of heavenly beings, including deity. Most of the saints moved away from Kirtland in 1838 for reasons that may surprise you. But not surprisingly, the temple fell into disrepair after the Mormons moved, and its ownership was challenged. The reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, now known as the Community of Christ, gained title to the building in 1880. Now, they would go on to restore the temple and maintain it to this day, and they do support it with guided tours. So again, why did the Mormons and Smith leave Ohio? Well, it depends on who you ask. One thing is clear. Smith founded the first Mormon-controlled bank, putting in his economic and quote-unquote spiritual practices to work. According to History.com, it was after his Mormon bank failed in the panic of 1837 when Joseph Smith fled to avoid arrest and headed to Missouri to rebuild his religious community. People became angry and disillusioned and some of whom claimed he made egregious errors in managing their money the reorganized church based in Independence, split from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, often referred to as the Mormon Church, based in Salt Lake City. As I said, the churches are separate, but they are both rooted in the Book of Mormon and the writings of founder Joseph Smith. Luffman would go on to say that London, at first, seemed devoted enough in his tours and his Sunday school teachings but later became menacing. Quote, He apparently felt the leaders of the church were part of the unrighteous around the temple and needed to be eradicated. That was the term he used. Shelley Sowers, who was 31 and a neighbor of Lundgren's, before he rented the 15-acre farm, said it seemed strange but not alarming that so many unrelated people lived under one roof. Sowers told the paper, Quote, We knew they had taken in a group of people. We just figured they were fanatical like him. I never thought of it as a cult. That's such an evil word. While it was becoming more and more apparent to the public that Jeffrey Lundgren was insane, his followers continued to buy in. And the Averys, along with other members, apparently became so controlled again by him that they would actually give him their paychecks. And the Averys even bought him a gun on their credit card. In an effort not to stand out or look suspicious, cult members began wearing paramilitary gear, started sporting camouflage clothing, and like all inconspicuous of things, they began practicing with guns and other weapons. Now, authorities did state that they adopted codenames such as Eagle Eye and Talon One. Now, of course... That is sarcasm because, yeah, if you're going to start a cult, yeah, you probably don't do things like practice shooting and, you know, wear paramilitary gear around town or give yourself code names. Just saying. Just one of those things. And according to the Akron Beacon Journal, it was Jeffrey Lundgren who brought his followers along as they roamed farms and wilderness in three states, leading a secret communal life while investigators looked for signs of impending mass murder. For more than a year, agents in Missouri and Ohio and West Virginia exchanged information after a tipster warned of possible killings. Apparently, ATF agents watched the group's movements, its pitched tents and target practices, and its secretive ways. But they operated enough within the law, and therefore, they were never arrested. Kirtland Police Chief Dennis Yarborough told the paper the group was even making improvements on the farm, and it was hard to make a case of threatening behavior. Yarborough went on to say, quote, the family had started adding things like siding. They were acting and appearing like good citizens. It was kind of a paradox. Now, shortly after the Averys arrived in Ohio, Lundgren was actually asked to resign from his temple position. And he was eventually defrocked after his teachings became unchristian, according to Reverend Dale Luffman. Now, the Avery's at this point broke all ties with the RLDS church when Lundgren was asked to resign. Unlike most of Lundgren's followers, the Avery's actually lived in town about three miles from the commune, and Avery worked at a security company and did odd jobs. No one quite knows. When it was, Lundgren and his followers made the switch from his fundamentalist RLDS teachings to a full-blown cult that was full of heavy drinkers and trained for paramilitary activities and called their leader the prophet. Cheryl Avery's mother, Donna Bailey of Centralia, Washington, said she telephoned and wrote her daughter frequently after the Averys moved to Ohio. Quote, I caught on early that these were the wrong types of beliefs, Bailey said in an interview for the Kansas City Times. Quote, the Averys moved in during the fall of 1988, and one time she said, quote, people think we're a cult, but we're not. That made me concerned. As a parent, I would be very concerned about that, but I'm not a parent. I just have dogs and a cat. Anyway, Lundgren apparently seemed irritated with Avery all the time. And this is according to John Alvarez, whose daughter once lived at the commune. Now Bonnie Alvarez, then 11, lived there with her mother in spring of 1988. Now this was until he regained custody. And guess what? The mother is tied up in some pretty tough legal issues at the moment. Alvarez said that his daughter that Lundgren would complain that Mr. Avery could only do five push-ups while everybody else was doing 20 or 30. As I said, you know, the Averys moved in the fall of 18, 1988. This time, they moved 30 miles from the commune, leaving several months of back rent unpaid, according to their landlord, Stan Scribus in Kirtland. But Lundgren's pull was so strong the family couldn't totally cut ties with the cult. Court documents say by early 1989, Lundgren started saying that the only way the group would reach Zion was by selling off their worldly possessions and retreating into the wilderness. The Averys made it known they would be moving to Wyoming after having a falling out with the cult, a move that would have serious repercussions. Let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's hear from this week's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. We may have moved past 2020, but 2021 is still looking fairly grim. But today I'm happy to tell you about BetterHelp.com. Because if there's anything holding you back or interfering with your happiness, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. And it's really convenient because in this current state that we live in it just has to be so now you can get help on your own time at your own pace all you have to do is schedule a secure video or phone session or you can chat and text with your therapist BetterHelp really is there for you they have over 3,000 US licensed therapists across all 50 states and if for whatever reason you aren't happy with your counselor you can request a new one at any time So if you're suffering from depression or anxiety, stress, anger, relationship issues, heck, you're not getting a good night's sleep, or have LGBT matters, or just low self-esteem, they literally have a licensed professional counselor for you. And of course, everything you share is confidential. The thing I like the most is it's actually affordable. And Who Killed listeners get 10% off their first month with the discount code WHO. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com slash WHO. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs, and then you get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, for 10% off, go to BetterHelp.com slash WHO. As if they weren't being cultish enough, Lundgren picked two dates when Jesus was to return to earth, but those days came and went. Quote, When that moment was supposed to occur, they were to be in the temple. Only those who got in the temple would be saved, and the unrighteous would be destroyed, according to Luffman. The Averys were considered to be a loving family by most people who knew them. Dennis Avery was 49, his wife Cheryl was 46, and their three daughters, Trina, 15, Rebecca, 13, and 7-year-old Karen. Now, the Averys made some divisive decisions, one being that they lived on their own and kept some of the proceeds from selling their home in Missouri, which, according to the Cleveland Plain dealer, Lundgren considered sinful. Lundgren was apparently dissatisfied with Avery because he let his wife become too independent, while the children were disappointing because they were just straight-up disobedient. This was a guy who could not handle this type of behavior, and he would use this to justify his next move. Quote, Several of Lundgren's followers who left the cult told authorities that the leader had violent beliefs, which included death threats against members of his flock. There were some that dropped out, according to Luffman. One alerted authorities about things that really scared him. Lundgren preached to his followers, who were estimated at more than a dozen, that Jesus would destroy anyone not inside the historic Kirtland Temple, where he once worked. Now, officials believe Lundgren Lundgren actually embezzled between $25,000 to $40,000 from the temple, and that is according to the News Herald. Not the nicest guy. It was, unfortunately... The Kirtland fire chief who had the duty to tell the press that authorities had been led to five bodies on a farm by an anonymous tip. The Plain Dealer quoted a police source as saying cult members had to perform the sacrifice before traveling west quote where they were where they would be cleansed and could search for a golden sword which again was not further characterized. A Kirtland spokesman said the officers who had worked on the investigation almost nonstop for 48 hours and would not comment on the report of human sacrifice. Authorities also would not comment on how the five individuals died. Authorities sent the bodies to Cleveland for autopsies. A neighbor of the commune in Ohio said the group appeared to leave the area last April. And this was April of 1989. The cult members left Kirtland shortly after the murders for wilderness homes in West Virginia and Missouri. Quote, these people were from nice families in our community, not just the Averys, but the people who are in trouble, too. Investigators said they believed Averys were killed in mid-April. In addition to being shot, which they eventually let the public know. The, victim, the victim's eyes were also covered with duct tape, and some had their hands and feet bound with duct tape as well. Lake County Prosecutor Stephen C. LaTourette said that the Averys apparently were killed because of Lundgren's interpretation of a prophecy that members had to be sacrificed before the group could relocate to the wilderness. The Lundgrens were eventually arrested in January 1990 in a motel near San Diego, California. Luffman would not commit to the Slains being a sacrifice, but said that it probably came over a dispute over money, sex, or fear that the family would just straight up leave the cult. Again, this is one of those situations where you have Multiple people involved, not just Jeffrey Lundgren and his wife or son, but their 19-year-old son, Damon, and two other cult members were also charged in this murder. Now, in all, 13 people were charged with murder or conspiracy. And Kirtland Police Chief Dennis Yarbrough said his investigation of the house where Lundgren lived began in April 1988, where he heard reports of paramilitary activity, like I said before, not being being very inconspicuous, and supposed civil rights violations, but yet no charges were filed. Now, local businessmen who did know the Lundgren family said that Jeff was always fishing and hunting and always had people around him. Now, that was Bray Byers, who was the owner of the Kirtland Hardware Store. Quote, he was a religious guy when I first knew him, He dressed real well. Another Kirtland resident, Doris Straka said the Lundgrens kept to themselves. She said the the Lundgrens renovated the farmhouse, gave it a new coat of paint, landscaped the yard, revived an orchard, and set up a gymnasium in the barn, the same barn where the bodies would later be discovered. Now Lundgren again left the the area in April 1989, and the cult disbanded. Jeffrey and Damon Lundgren were charged with five counts of aggravated murder and five counts of kidnapping. Alice Lundgren was charged with five counts of conspiracy to commit aggravated murder, five counts of kidnapping, and five counts of complicity in the commission of aggravated murder. Now, the Kansas City Associated Press wrote in January 1990, Thirteen people have been charged with murder or conspiracy after five family members were found buried at an Ohio farm rented by the leader of a religious splinter group, federal authorities said. Five of those charged were arrested late Thursday and early Tuesday in Kansas City and nearby Independence. said George Rodriguez of the Federal Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms. Quote, two of those arrested have confessed to their participation in the mass murders. Rodriguez said at a news conference. He said authorities have a motive but would not release it. The Cleveland Plain Dealer quoted police sources the newspaper did not name, said that the five may have been killed as part of a religious sacrifice. Rodriguez said federal authorities would not comment on that report for fear of prejudicing juries. He said it was accurate to characterize Lundgren as the leader of a cult, though. And Rodriguez said they were members of a splinter religious group led by Jeffrey Lundgren, who was the former lay minister of the Reorganized Church of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Again, which is located in Independence, Missouri. But, apparently, he killed the Avery family between April 16th and 18th. Deputy Sheriff Rick Ring of Johnson County, Missouri, said Lundgren had and a group of people had been living in a barn near Chillihawe, a rural area about 45 miles southeast of Kansas City, and were last seen in the area in late October or early November. Rodriguez was not known whether said it was not known whether Lundgren was in the Kansas City area, but authorities were in contact with his parents who lived nearby. The group led by Lundgren apparently disbanded after members became disgruntled. Rodriguez said the group following Lundgren consisted of 29 men, women, and children, but some members, including the Avery family, would come and go. Ron Luff of Independence was arrested and charged with murder. Those arrested and charged with five counts, each of conspiracy to commit aggravated aggravated murder, were identified as Susan Luff of Springfield, Dennis Patrick, Tanya Patrick, and Debbie Olivares. Remember that name? She's in hot water. Those also charged with the murder were Richard Brand, 26, of Independence, Damon Lundgren, Jeffrey Winship, Katherine Johnson, and two others whose names were not released at the time. Now, with so many people asking why or how this could happen, the press and I turned to Dale Luffman. He said that Lundgren left the church after his ministry credentials were revoked and formed his own religious group. Luffman would not describe the practices of Lundgren's group or why he lost his credentials. But with the reports of embezzlement, it's really not hard to see why he lost his position. Now, commune life is not something I can understand, but hey, different strokes for different folks. Lundgren and his wife And children were joined in their house by another family, as well as some other random individuals. The group of up to 10 people were living at the house had been under investigation for more than a year for alleged civil rights violations. Now, again, I mentioned that earlier. And Dennis Yarborough, the Kirtland police chief, would not specify on what those violations were. According to Grant McMurray, World Church Secretary at the Reorganized Headquarters in Independence, said Lundgren's lay minister's credentials were actually revoked when his beliefs strayed too far from the church. McMurray said his church has about 250,000 members worldwide. He said it is not affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, based in Salt Lake City, Although, both groups based their beliefs on the Book of Mormon and the Bible. Kirtland, again, is an important site in the history of the church founded by Joseph Smith, according to Luffman. I mean, again, Smith built the temple there in 1836. Now, as I mentioned, Kirtland was the site of many significant events in the early history of the church. While living in and around Kirtland, Joseph Smith received dozens of revelations conveying important instructions essential for establishing the church. In Kirtland, Joseph Smith organized the offices and quorums of the priesthood, and the saints built the first temple. Again, this is according to the church. In December 1830, a revelation to Joseph Smith identified the Ohio as the first gathering place for the saints. Earlier that year, Oliver Cawdry, Parley P. Pratt, and others baptized many who belonged to congregations led by Sidney Rigdon near Kirtland. These early conversions increased the size of the church substantially and included men and women who would play significant roles in church history, according to the church. Unfortunately for Kirtland, the last impression the church left was one of pure terror. As investigators tried to piece together what happened, they determined each member of the Avery family was lured to the barn in April 1989. And again, this was at the Lundgren's Rental Farm in Kirtland. They were gagged, shot, and dumped into a common grave. Authorities searching the barn found the bodies in January. Now, the ATF in Kansas City warned authorities in Kirtland that Lundgren spoke of a sword of Laban that would be used to decapitate people while taking over the temple in Kirtland. Now there is mention of this sword in the Book of Mormon. Finally, Luffman said, quote, "...frequently with cults there is some form of sacrifice, whether with personal liberties or sometimes it's as ghastly as animal sacrifice or, as the talk goes, that of human sacrifice." In an article from the Associated Press, they say the slayings of Dennis and Cheryl Avery and their three daughters are the latest in a series of killings and other violent acts linked to small groups with ties to Mormonism. Mormon extremists have been involved in dozens of murders several bombings and an assortment of other religiously motivated crimes in the state of Utah. Now, that's where most of the members of the LDS church are. Live. Much of the violence has been attributed to fundamentalist sects whose leaders believe the mainstream church betrayed the faith when it outlawed polygamy in 1890. And according to this article, the Kirtland killings are believed to be the first incident of cult violence associated with splinter groups of the smaller reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, according to the Plain Dealer. Now, reports state that in recent years, reorganized church leaders have alienated some of the more conservative members by liberalizing church doctrine and allowing women to be ordained as ministers. We saw that as being one of the reasons why Lundgren left Independence, Missouri. While these moves seem like no-brainers in this day and age, that is not the case within the church. And as I mentioned In the beginning of this episode, this is just part one, and more of an overview of this tragic case. The story of Jeffrey Lundgren and his followers is one that requires more than one episode. In part two, we will take a closer look at the RLDS and what role they played in Lundgren's upbringing. We will also examine the disaster that was left in the wake and how Kirtland was forced to rehabilitate their image. So join me next week for part two of the Kirtland cult killings. Thank you guys so much for listening. As you know, I drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday. Thank you to BetterHelp.com for sponsoring this week's episode. You can save 10% by using my promo code WHO. Again, that's on BetterHelp.com. If you do enjoy this podcast and would like to help support the show, you can do so by using my PayPal username at Huffman 3 or you can contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at Huffman 3 Actually, it's at Bill-Huffman-3. As I mentioned before, every contribution, big or small, keeps these podcasts going. You can help support the show also by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Again, those five stars keep important cases that I cover, such as all of the unsolved cases, in the spotlight. If you'd like to stay up to date on the cases that I have covered, as well as the new shows I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Stay tuned for part two next week. And until next time, as always, be healthy and stay safe.